0: Hey everybody, welcome to Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, and uh, I apologize again, I can't believe it, I've been gone for another few weeks. Uh, This time, if you are watching on YouTube, you can see uh, I have a giant brace that goes almost up to my elbow, and then it extends all the way to my hand and out to my index finger, because right after I recorded the last program, I had an accident with a table saw, and I have severed two tendons in my index finger and I have, uh, removed part of the bone. Um, so that happened on a Sunday, which was Lincoln's birthday. I missed his birthday party. I was in the ER, ER, um, had surgery, um, had surgery, uh, two days later they repaired the tendon and I'm in full force physical. Can I say, um, normally I'm and I'm I'm very optimistic I am optimistic that I get uh full or at least close to full usage back my doctors are optimistic as well and um normally when people like oh how is it I'd be like oh it's fine um but it's not and the doctors keep telling me it's not fine um and I'm not supposed to move it at all uh and I'm in this huge immobilizer and I hate it I don't like any part of it um And it's just part of life, right? It's what it is. So thank you for waiting for this program. And uh, let's start the series. So we're going to start part one. I am writing a new book and uh, the working title is either going to be Rebel Parenting or it's not you, it's me. Um, And I'm working with um, a couple of people in the industry because here's the truth. I started this process and this learning journey, uh, in my marriage and in my parenting. This was all focused in marriage and parenting. It's what rebel, rebel parenting does. And what I have found is this theory and this method that I've developed works in all relationships. It works with your parents, it works with your coworkers, with your friends, your boss. It works with anybody in any relationship. Um, but why I'm working on a couple of different titles is in publishing is a niche going to be better for the market? Or is it generally, is a general book going to be better for the market? So should I aim it only at parents or only at marriage? Or can I open it up to marriage parenting and other relationships? So if you've got an opinion on that, uh, definitely comment down below, um, hit me up on email, uh, help at rebel um, I'd love to hear what you think about that. Would you like it to be for all relationships or aim specifically at marriage and parenting? What I'm leaning towards is specifically at marriage and parenting and having kind of little like asterisks or addendums at the end of the chapter, talking about how this works in other relationships with a couple of examples. That's kind of my thought, but I don't know. Um, but let's dive into it. So, uh, In general, marriage, parenting, and relationship books and instruction. I've been around it for decades and decades and decades. The theory and the general consensus is you can't work on a relationship by yourself. If you're married and you want to go to counseling and you think there's a problem and and you want to work on it, but your spouse is totally unwilling to work on it, then you're stuck and you can't work on your marriage. Um that is generally taught. Uh, I was, uh, you know, there are all kinds of generally taught. Uh, I was, uh, you know, there are all kinds of, of advice given for situations when you're in a relationship. And so let's just dive in. This is rebel parenting. Let's dive into marriage and parenting here. So when you are with your kid or, uh, kids or your spouse, and let's go with spouses first, um, go with spouses first. And again, and the most and oftentimes, most common advice. Oftentimes, the most common advice given is uh, whether it's something in the bedroom, whether it's something with addiction, you know, whatever the situation is. Not in the moment, you know, if it's addiction and your spouse falls off the wagon, or if it's uh, pornography and you catch them looking at porn, or if it's finances they spend something. Not in that moment, but when the situation calms down. Meet with them and explain yourself in a calm, rational manner. Explain how you're feeling, um, <clears throat> you know, things like that. Uh, you know, they'll say, don't blame, use a lot of I statements. I feel this way. Not you made me feel this way, but I feel this way. Take all the responsibility, you know, all those types of things. I can tell you from experience, uh, not just my personal experience, but in, um, in, in, in detailed research that I've done in relationships and in, uh, people that have reached out to Laura and I for coaching or for help on rebel parenting, that almost never works. It is so seldom. I'd like to say it never works, but, I'm a literal rational and I can't say never unless I believe it's 100% to be true. And so, but I'm going to go 99% of the time that will backfire in your face in the moment. In the moment you express yourself, you tell them how you're feeling, you use a lot of I statements. It will go poorly in that moment about 99 plus percent of the time. Um, If it is not a spouse, if it's someone that's in a distance Uh, if it is a sibling, if it is a parent, if it is another relationship like that, uh, again, the most common advice given in that situation is write them a letter. Um, Be clear in your letter, uh, you know, not emotional, blah, 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 blah. Write them a letter, express yourself. Again, that goes correctly less than just telling the person how you feel. I'm telling you, I think the letter probably doesn't ever work any of the time. I'm going to go a hundred out of a hundred. You sending that person a letter doesn't work, but that's scary. The scary thing about that is if the other person doesn't want to work on the relationship, are you truly stuck? Are you stuck? Is there nothing you can do? You want to work on your marriage. You think there's an issue your spouse doesn't or doesn't want to work on it. Are you stuck? Is that just it? We don't believe that at Rebel Parenting. I don't believe that at all. I think you can work on any relationship by yourself and make it better. Not just try to work on it, but you can improve any relationship in your life, especially, especially, which is what we're going to focus on here, marriage and parenting, especially with your spouse, especially with your kids. You can build that relationship. You can strengthen it, deepen it, make it more intimate, make it more communicative, make it kinder, gentler, more full of joy, fun. Whatever it is that you desire for your relationship with your spouse, or your kids, you can do that by yourself. Now, in most circles, that's revolutionary. I was at, I'll to say, I was at my parents' house on 4th of July, and a discussion was going on. And here's the truth. It's good. I don't remember who said it. Uh, but someone was talking about that both things came up in that, both things came up on that day. Both of these things. Um, uh, somebody said out loud, you can't work on your marriage if your spouse isn't willing to work on it too. And me, my brain has very little filter and very little self-control. And so it just says things on its own and I forget. And I was like, oh, we don't teach that at all. And it got quiet instantly that, excuse me. I'm like, Oh, we think you can work on your marriage by yourself all the time and make it better. I'm telling you, it was like, you know, when you're at, a, by the way, everybody at the table is older than us. Like everybody is a good three to four decades older than Laura and I. And it was just that look you get from people that all disagree. And I'm optimistic and happy and smiling. And it went, bow, bow. I mean, rat sandwich, lead balloon did not go over well. Uh, and it moved on. And there was another situation at the table where, uh, there were family members that were quarreling and the advice was given, write them a letter. And I didn't open my mouth that time. I learned from the first experience, but here's the truth. Why doesn't it work? Okay. Let's look at that situation. There's a sibling from far away hurting a sibling that I, that I'm familiar with. That's close by to me. Okay. They're a distance apart. This person is, the sibling is acting totally inappropriately, by the way. The person that I was with was completely and 100% in the right. That's the, that's the deal. Uh, there was a hurt feeling thing going on. It was really inappropriate. And the sibling was very, very, very inappropriate, doing some things that you just wouldn't imagine. And now the person I know is going to write them a succinct, calm letter, right? Who's healthy in this situation? Maybe only one of those two, maybe only the person writing the letter who is dealing with their own feelings and maybe having some introspection, maybe seeing a counselor. I'm just saying this, uh, I don't know, but the possibility that both people are healthy when one person is continually being wounded is zero. The other person is wounding you over and over again in an inappropriate way. They're just doing that kind of a thing all the time, right? So how are they going to receive a letter of you telling them all the ways you're being hurt by them? Is that going to go over well or poorly? I think poorly. And in fact, I'm positive of it. I would never recommend that. You can't get tone of voice. You can't get context or nuance in a letter. Terrible idea, right? Terrible. You ever ever been given a letter like that? Hey, here's a bunch of things I don't like about you. My feelings are really hurt and it's all your fault. Will you now apologize and be a different person for me? Probably not. The conversation goes over poorly too because it's in person, right? The person can say something. Defensiveness, shame, guilt, all the things that come involved. Very, very rarely does that go well. I'm going to go less than 1% of the time. So I don't think you're stuck. Lauren, I believe through experience and coaching, you can work on relationships by yourself and you can make them better. And here's how you know it because the Lord does that with us. You can see it in the Bible. Scripture tells us this. It says, I stand at the door and knock. If the Bible is a living word, it means right now, currently, if you are not in a relationship with the Lord, he is at your door knocking right now. Knocking, knocking, knocking. It doesn't have a qualifier after that. It says, I stand at the door and knock for about a year. I stand at the door and knock when you're really in trouble. I stand at the door and knock every other month. Nope. That is a consistent living word, living God right now, today. If you don't have a relationship with him, he is working on the relationship with you. You go, well, how is he doing that? Circumstance, environment. When I look out my uh, my front door in the morning and I see Pike's Peak and I go, oh my goodness. And I feel small, but I feel so big because I know the Lord loves me. And he created that. And he knew when he formed the heavens and the earth, when you read about that in Genesis and all the things that took place, and because he's nonlinear and he's, Sees all of humanity at once. He knew that I go on my walks in the morning. He knows I like the sunrise. And he designs that specifically and specially for me. And that builds my relationship. I know he loves me so much. He lets me see cool moonrises and sunrises. And I get to see deer in the morning, all these things, because we have a relationship. He is constantly telling me in new and unique ways how much he loves me, how much he cares for me through situation, circumstance, environment, nature, through scripture, through my pastor, through relationships. He's constantly blessing me and giving me just gifts that build the relationship. Even when I'm not, even when I'm not, when I'm not working on my relationship with the Lord, when I'm feeling down and out, when I'm not communicating with him, does the sunrise go away? Do the deer all hide? Does it not become light in the morning? Do I not get to see the moon and the stars at night? No. The Lord's still there providing every moment, knocking on my door. And he is for you too. That's how you know this. I stand at the door and knock. You go through scripture from the beginning to the end. I'm reading uh, through the Torah right now. The first four books of the Bible. I'm listening to Dennis Prager's a uh, commentary on Genesis and Exodus. I'm waiting for Leviticus and Numbers. I don't know how he's going to pull that one off. Um, but I am in the middle of Exodus now. And here's what I love. I love how flawed the Israelites are. Israel means struggles with God. What a perfect name. I wish my parents had named me Israel for struggles with God. I struggle. But does it mean the Lord doesn't love us? No. Israel is God's chosen people and their title is we struggle with you. And he says, you're my most chosen, the one whose name is struggles with me. And they grumble and they moan. They were in slavery and the Lord rescued them from Pharaoh out of Egypt. And he led them through the Red Sea and all of Pharaoh and his army died in the process. And then they got hungry and they yelled at the Lord and they grumbled and they yelled at Moses and Aaron. And they were worried they were going to get stoned. And then after that, when he gave them food, literally out of the sky, when it fell from heaven then they got thirsty and they grumbled and moaned. But what did the Lord do? He provided water for them and they had no land. He provided them the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey. They weren't working on their relationship with the Lord. And he was faithful, faithful to work on the relationship with them anyway. And that's how I know, I know you can work on your marriage by yourself. I know you can have a better relationship with your kids by yourself, even when they're snotty and they don't want to go through it and they don't want to be with you and they don't want to help out. You can make it better. I will tell you this. It's more difficult. It just is. It's so much harder it is so much harder to work on your marriage by yourself. It's easier when your spouse also wants to work on the marriage, when they want to go to counseling, when they are repentant or introspective, or they uh, they take responsibility for their actions, or at least they're trying to all those things. It's so much easier with a willing partner. It will be much lonelier if you do it by yourself. But here's the question you have to ask yourself. And it's with your marriage and your parenting. What do I want most in life? do I want a good marriage? Do I want a great relationship with my kids? Is that what I want most? Because if that's what you want most, if what you want most is a great relationship with your wife and kids, then you're willing to sacrifice. Then you're willing to struggle. Then you're willing to grind. But if what you want most is a good marriage, if that's also what your spouse wants and they're willing to show it to you through their actions, I'm going to have a hard time with that one. And now listen, I understand. I completely and totally understand. I understand how hard it is and how long it is and how lonely it feels to work on a marriage by yourself. I do get that. And if that's the only way you'll work on your marriage is if your spouse wants to work on it too, this may not be the best program for you, but I understand it. I do. I totally understand it. Now, Laura understands it too. If she was sitting here, she'd be like, I totally understand it because there have been many seasons where I'm not working on the marriage and she is just like there've been many seasons where I'm working on the marriage and she's not just like there's all kinds of times where I'm working on the relationship with my kids and they are not. Why? Why should they? Should they be reading relationship books and you know how to grow up right on their own books so they can be better kids for me? I get, by the way, this is going to be a whole mentality shift because I get to learn how to be the best parent for my kids. I don't have to, but I get to, I don't have to learn how to be the best spouse, how to be the best husband for Laura. I don't, I don't have to, but I get to get to is better. You know, when we all learned this with lots and lots of us learned this in the pandemic, when I got laid off early on in the pandemic and then I got a new job and I didn't have to go to work. I got to go to work. So exciting. I get to go to work today. I didn't have to go to work when everything's going well, the have tos fall into play, right? It's tough. It's tough, but you get to, and you get to with your kids for a short period of time. I mean, they're only in your household for this brief moment in time. And in that moment, you've got a mad dash to figure out how is it I can be the best parent possible for this kid. And they're not going to tell you, and they don't even know, but you get to do that. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it worth it? Oh my goodness. It's super worth it. It's super worth it. And here's the deal. When I say, do you want a great marriage? Honestly, most people don't have any idea what I'm talking about. And about a decade ago, I don't think I knew what I was talking about either because you've got this weird cultural amalgamation of what a good relationship looks like, right? It's so clouded with rom-coms and sitcoms and romance movies and, and TV and real housewives and all that stuff that we're told is a relationship isn't real. And so what is a great marriage? And here's the thing. I didn't know what it was until I had it. And then once I had, it I was like, Oh my goodness, this is so crazy where you don't feel alone. Right? When I was potentially diagnosed with cancer. When my doctor said, we need to start getting you tested because I think you might have cancer. And my first thought was, ah, and my second thought was, I'm so glad I married Dolora. Laura. That was a very curious thing. Why? Because everything in life is better with a good marriage. <laughs> cancer is better with a good marriage understand that? Is cancer good? Nope, but it's better with a good marriage. Cutting my finger in half and severing two tendons and missing a piece of my bone is bad. It's better with a good marriage. It is. It's better. It's better with a good marriage. You know what else? It's worse with a bad one. It is. It's worse with a bad one. So much worse with a bad one. I'm telling you, I had eye surgery, I don't know, more than 20 years ago. I was not married to my wife, Laura, then, and it was bad. It was bad. Everything is worse with a bad marriage. Going to the gym is worse with a bad marriage. Going to work stinks with a bad marriage. When it's getting towards five and you know you got to go home and you're like, Ugh, I don't want to go home. You know why? Because your marriage sucks. Your job can be horrible. It can be awful. But you got a great wife at home. You got a great husband at home. And it's like, woo! going home, going home, going home. Who cares about my job? My boss, who cares how bad that sucks? Cause when I get home, it's going to be safe. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to feel appreciated, loved, respected, cared for, valuable that I contribute to the family. I'm going to feel all those things. I'm going to have intimacy all the things that you want in marriage to not feel alone, to go through hard times together, to have someone to struggle with, to have someone to care for, someone that appreciates you, someone that loves you, someone that communicates in the way that you would like to be communicated, someone that seemingly has read the five love languages and knows which one yours are, the primary ones, and meets those regularly. A great marriage is beyond belief, it's beyond description. But it's there. I'm telling you, it's there. The reason why some of us don't struggle and strive and grind and hope for that is because we're being sold a false narrative. You watch Real Housewives or, I don't know, cultural relationship TV. Man, who wants to fight for that? Who wants to struggle for that? Who wants to grind for that? Who wants to go to therapy for that? Who wants to read a book for that? Not me. Not me. I don't want to work real hard for someone that yells at me. I don't work work real hard for someone that hurts my feelings constantly. What? That sucks. No thanks. Now, if you have a hope and a higher power, that's the other thing. That's the other part. It doesn't work without Jesus. Okay. At least it won't for me. I'm not strong enough. Maybe you can be like, oh, I can do all this stuff without the Lord, Ryan. Wow. Okay. I don't think so. I think this only comes supernaturally through the power of Christ. Because when I am weak in my relationships, because I'm super weak in my relationships, I'm totally afraid of being a bad parent and I'm afraid of being a bad husband and that people would see me for a fraud and all those things. I'm terribly, terribly weak in a lot of those things. But when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because through all things, Christ gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can work on my marriage by myself when everyone tells me it's impossible. Why? Because I know a supernatural God that can do all things. And the Bible says, through him, all things are held together. The fabric of the earth is held together through Jesus. And you're telling me he's not strong enough to work on the marriage if my wife doesn't want to? Or he's not strong enough to work on your marriage if your husband or your wife doesn't want to? What? No. He's the Lord. He can do anything. And that's where I place my hope. And that's where I place my mantra. And that's where I place my trust. That's what I recite to myself every single night. The Lord knows me. The Lord sees me. The Lord loves me. The Lord knows my path. The Lord has lit my path. The Lord knows my future. All those things. That's why it's Jesus first and foremost. Man, tell the Lord, Lord, I am not happy. I am not happy in my marriage. I am super bummed. I believe this is supposed to last a lifetime. I want it to, and I am struggling. And maybe it's me. Maybe you tell the Lord, I'm angry all the time. I don't like being angry all the time, or I'm sad. I'm depressed or whatever it is. It's not like he doesn't know, but open up that line of communication. like, when should I do it? Wherever you're at, whenever it is, does it have to be out loud? No, just talk to the Lord. He wants you to, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to build it with you. The sun rises every morning. Why? Because it's so cool and it's got nothing to do with me. But every time I see a beautiful sunrise, the Lord knew I'd see it. And he's like, yeah, I did that for you, dude. Like, I know I had that thought. My very first time I had that thought, I was, uh, in Creed, Colorado with my friends, Zach and Don and Dave, and we were fly fishing and we were fly fishing on this river. And we were fly fishing these beaver ponds. The river had been dammed up by beavers and we were fly fishing these beaver ponds. And I'm telling you, I don't, still to this day at 51, I don't know if I've seen a prettier sight in my life. The water was so still and clear and pristine. It was a perfect mirror image of the mountains behind, the fields and the mountains behind, perfect mirror image in those ponds. I didn't have a phone or a camera and I'm kind of glad. I'd rather not share that with anybody else. And there were uh, mosquitoes and caddis flies, uh, lighting on the water. These little teeny ringlets would, would separate whenever they would teeny, teeny tiny ones. Cause the flies were so small and trout started jumping out of the water, catching flies. And I remember just sitting there thinking, Oh my, I don't know if I've ever seen anything more beautiful in my life. And the Lord was like, I did this for you. It's like, what? It's like, I knew whether you're a Young earth creationist, and he said 30,000 years ago, or you're an old earth creationist, and he said billions of years ago, Ryan, when I designed the heavens and the earth, I knew you'd be here today, and I knew how much this would impact you, and I want you to know I knew that. I did this for you. Because I love you. When you get to know that Lord, you can work on a relationship where the other partner doesn't want to. You can. Okay. All right. Let's talk about a couple of nuts and bolts. Uh, you will grow more than the other person in the relationship. Whether it's your kids or your spouse, you're going to grow more. And here's the thing. You'll know it. You will be stronger and more mature than them. Now, maybe your spouse is on the same page and they're doing the same thing. And so you're kind of going ahead and they're going ahead and you're going you're doing that thing together. Maybe not. Maybe you will be far ahead. It'll be Okay because the other person will change. And there's the other thing. You will know that you and Christ did this together. It won't be through coaching and telling them how to behave and how to act and what to do. It won't come from that. The greatest breakthroughs I've had with my children and with my wife have not come from me clearly explaining how I want them to behave or what's hurting my feelings or how I would wish they would act or would you please stop doing this thing Those aren't the greatest breakthroughs. The greatest breakthroughs are when I shut my mouth and I really work with the Lord on the relationship and breakthroughs happen on their own. Here's the other thing. Uh, You're going to gain a strength that you never knew possible. You're going to be stronger and deeper and more mature than you ever knew. I mean, it's just insane. It's totally insane. Uh, You will gain perspective and realistic expectations. You will look at situations and you will, you will make realistic goals for your relationships. Do you understand that? You'll make realistic goals for your relationships. It won't be overnight success, overnight perfection. It won't be things that just are never going to come true. Pipe dreams, fantasies. You'll stop looking for the fantasy. You'll start looking for the real. And when the breakthroughs come, the teeny ones, they will be a huge deal. There are no small breakthroughs in this process. There are giant breakthroughs in this process. I was on a flight uh, about a decade ago and I was sitting next to a chef a young woman, uh, who was an aspiring chef and I'm a huge foodie and I love to cook and I am not a chef. And we had a great flight. I asked her a million questions and she was interested in rebel parenting and she has a very difficult relationship with her mom. I don't know if anybody has that, but very difficult relationship with her mom. Her mom is also a chef. Some of you would know who she is and people like that rarely think they're wrong. And so they do and say things with a certainty that can be very abrasive and very hurtful at times, especially for family members and kids. When you are a head chef of a restaurant, when you've got a Michelin star, when you're a CEO of an organization, when you are a captain of a team, when you're a captain of industry, you have to make decisions with certainty, or people believe this, and it kind of can warp a personality to where you start becoming harsh. And the mom was having a big get together for a bunch of famous chefs and uh, uninvited her daughter to the event. Said it was going to be expensive and uh, you know, made some weird, lame excuse about cost and expense. And all it said to the daughter was, you don't have any value. You've got no value. That's all she heard. She just heard you have no value. 40 years old, accomplished chef, you know, great restaurant, critical acclaim, rave reviews. Uh, mom is holding a thing for chefs. Of course she should be involved in it. And the mom doesn't say it. Uh, and this is what she told me. Cause we've been working together for quite some time now, her and her husband and I and Laura. Uh, she said, honestly, a year ago, I would have argued with her about it. I would have, I would have, uh, made my case. I would have, I call it lawyering up. She said, I would have lawyered up. I would have said my brother's going and you're paying for him and look at my restaurant and I deserve to be there like anybody else. And why don't I have value? And here's the truth. All those things would be true. 100% true. But how well is it going to go over? She's like, I've done it so many times. I've made my case so many times. It doesn't ever work. It doesn't matter how right I am. She still hurts my feelings. And I was like, what'd you say? And she went, she said, I went, okay. And smiled. I'm like, seriously? She's like, yeah. Did it hurt my feelings? Yes. Was I sad that our relationship isn't better because my mom says hurtful things like this? Absolutely. But I don't wish her ill will. I've grown. Am I sad? Yes. Do I love her? Yes. Is it more than I am sad? It is right now. So I smiled and said, okay. And then her mom went, I don't know. Is that weird? Now that was a big breakthrough it wasn't just, I made a statement. I'm right. I'm going to move on. It was, hang on. That's crazy for a CEO and for a leader like that to question themselves. It's a big deal. That's what I'm talking about. She says, is that weird? And my friend said, it seems weird to me, but you know what? It's your organization. You've got to do what you got to do. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure you're under. You make the decision you think is best, and I will be fine with that like, whoa, seriously? And she's like, yeah. And the crazy thing is I meant it. I remember saying it out loud and then thinking in my head, Hey, you mean this? And I was surprised. I wasn't angry. I was sad, but I did mean it. I hope it turns out well, she does need to make the right decisions. I think this is the wrong one, but it's not my organization. And then her mom said, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just talking. I'm, I'm just stressed about a stuff. And she's like, okay, no problem. You do whatever you got to do. And then she called me almost immediately afterwards. She's like, my mom said I might be wrong. And I'm like, what, what did you mean? She's like, she said, uh, I don't know. I might be wrong. And then she kind of changed the subject and moved on. I'm like, your mom conceptualized the fact that she might be wrong. She's like, yes. I'm like that's incredible. Now, some of you might be listening, like, that's not that big of a deal. It is. It is when you're never wrong. Have you seen the Jordan documentary? Jordan's never wrong. Do you know why? Because he believes over any other player on the play, on the face of the earth, if it comes down to a buzzer beater, two seconds left, one shot to go, this wins or loses it, I'm the only person that should ever make that shot. That's what Jordan believes. It also makes him kind of a jerk. But he's Jordan. Kobe was known like that. Gretzky was known like that. Oh, in MMA, John Jones is known that way. They're not very nice people, but they are the best. And you see that in CEOs and presidents uh, of companies and and countries. Uh, They have to be right so often that it changes their personality. And so to conceptualize, to even wonder aloud, maybe I'm wrong in public. With another person. It's not just you did this by yourself privately. Maybe I did something wrong today. It's you said it out loud to your daughter. I might be wrong. And I was like, that's crazy. Congratulations. Way to go. She's like, I can't even believe it. But me not being nasty and snide and making little remarks about it allowed her the freedom to think maybe I'm wrong. And I will tell you the end of the story about six weeks later. She got an email from her mom saying, I'm so sorry. I meant to send this six weeks ago, but I've been sick and it keeps slipping my mind. Of course you should come to the event. Of course we want you there. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry for the confusion. By the way, here's the funny thing. There was no confusion. You were being rude. But she did say, I'm sorry. It was a, her own way of saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the confusion. There's no confusion. You were just mean and rude and wrong. And I'm so glad that you found out. None of those things were said, but the daughter's thrilled. Her husband can't believe it. Your mom said I was wrong and re-invited you to the event. Has this ever happened in history? No. That's monumental. That's monumental. And she did it by herself. She didn't do it by telling her mom her mom hurts her feelings. Didn't do it by saying, this is where you're wrong. Didn't do it by saying, this is how I feel. Didn't write her a letter. But on her own, she worked on herself and the relationship so that she's not hostile when she's around her mom. She's not stressed when she's around her mom. She's not waiting for the shoe to drop of hurt feelings like happens most of the time she's around her mom. None of those things are happening. She is secure in her personhood. She is projecting love in a relationship. She wants to have love in this relationship. And then it's reciprocated back. It took a long time, but it's working. You can work on any relationship by yourself, your marriage, your parenting with your parents, coworkers, friends, family, whatever you can do this. Place your trust in Christ. That's the only place your hope ought to be. It's the only place your strength ought to be is in Christ. I will say this. Uh, throughout this process, if you want to join in this with me, as we go through this process and I break it down step-by-step, step, I would recommend a daily Bible reading program, daily Bible reading program. Uh, my favorite one is Bible.com U version on the app. It's on my phone. It's on my computer, iPad, everywhere. I get it on my Oculus, uh, VR headset. Uh, it's my favorite one. They've got a million plans. You can find one. Here's what I recommend. Start one and do it. That's it. Oh, I don't know. What about the, the, the Stop. Any topic you might be interested in, choose a short one to begin with and just do it. Get into the practice and the habit. Don't overthink it. Don't, you know, start that. Every time you're done reading the Bible, pray. Thank the Lord for your day. Thank him for your future. Thank him that he knows what's going to happen in the future and you don't. Pray about your relationships. Every day, Bible and prayer. If you're dying for a book, again, I'm going to recommend Making Sense Out of Suffering by Peter Kraft. It's a fantastic theological book on the art of suffering. I call it the art of suffering. I don't think he does that, but it's how to suffer and suffer well and why it's okay. For those of you that are going through the hard times, when you're in a marriage that's unhappy, when you've got kids that are running around and doing crazy stuff and you feel like you don't know what to do. I get it. I have been there, but I've come out of it. I've learned how to pull others out of it and I'm here for you too. So glad you're here. Thanks for putting up with me. Say a prayer for my hand and for healing. Say a prayer for my family. It's got to put up with me while I'm in this stupid contraption. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram, mr.ryan.dobson. You can see the photos of all of it. I didn't post any of the gross ones because that's disgusting. Um, But I love you. I appreciate you. God bless. Barring any more accidents. I'll see you next week.